dudes. This is Alternate Take, and I am your host. Welcome back, bitches. You guys are bitches. You guys are my friends. Just playing. Uh, on this episode, we had a legend. A legend from the comedy world. We had the great comedian, and one of... Dude, I've admired this guy's work for years. We've had on comedian Willie Barsena. Man, this one was huge. I was so stoked to interview this guy, man. Uh, everyone knows the big three of Latin comics in the, in the world. Everyone knows, like, uh, George Lopez, uh, Paul Rodriguez, and, like, Carlos Mencia. Those were, like, the big three, especially, like, in the 90s. But comedians like Gabriel Iglesias, Felipe Esparza, and so many others, they always thank Willie Barsena as the guy who put his foot through in the door to give them a name. He, he's the legend. He's the goat of, of fucking Latin comics. And he, and he wouldn't really identify that way because if you listen to his comedy he's not just talking about mexican shit he's talking about everything you know and that's what makes him so goddamn funny but um it was an honor to interview him man he's he's literally is one of my fa- all-time favorite comics so um i'm gonna shut up here and let you listen to the great wisdom that is from the brain of willie barcena so without further ado i bring to you the great comedian willie barcena all right we good we're good. <laughs> right on, right on. All right, for all, all you uh, all alternate, right. alternate take listeners out there, man, we got the great comedian Willie Barcet in the house today, man. Thanks for joining us. No, oh, thanks for having me, bro. Hell yeah, man! Super excited. Uh, we had on recently uh, Gilbert Escoval, who was talking like crazy, like the highest about you, man. So it was like super stoked to bring you on the show, man. Oh, uh, real cool. I love I love Gilbert, man. We started together as young comedians. You yeah, know? that's what he mentioned. Uh, yeah, yeah, I love. Yeah, that. we are, actually there's a there's a Latino comedy night at the Laugh Factory in Hollywood. I don't know if he told you, and it's been going on for like thirty years. But him, I started it. You know, wow, that's back crazy. in the day. Yeah, he was. Yeah, we used to. Go ahead, go ahead, go, go ahead. No, well, uh, um, that was before even MySpace, man. We used to go around passing out flyers. <laughs> yeah. yeah so yeah and then it's still going but nobody nobody knows that it was him and i that that's like nobody nobody gives a shit but it was him and i that started that night man like years ago man, with, with carlos mencia and uh all these other cats man everybody was we were all young young bucks back then yeah but, yeah uh, that's what i wanted to get to actually was that like he had mentioned in the interview that you're you were like the he gave you the credit as the trailblazer to all the basically the latin comics carlos mencia uh, Gabriel Iglesias, Felipe Esparza, all these guys that, that you were the one who kind of opened the door for everybody. Yeah, well, you know, man, what had happened was in Hollywood, and it's still that way, man, it's so much bullshit. Um, there's limited access for, for Latinos, you know. Um, there was always the Laugh Factory, the Improv, and uh, what was the three? Uh, the Comedy Store. And then on the South Side, there was Black Rooms. There was a bunch of Black Rooms uh, were you know, uh, they had the comedy act theater and Maverick Flats and all these rooms. So I would go to all these rooms and then, and then uh, there was nothing for us for Latino comedians to grow, you know, because you know, like like the comedy store had Paul Rod and like and then like like Carlos, I think, and then the Laugh, Fact- the Laugh Factory had George and the Improv. You know, like everybody picked one or two Latinos, you know, 
and for us, it was, so what I did, I, I went to East LA and I, I opened up a, I, I would go to bars and say, hey, you guys want to do comedy here? And I remember they were like, back in the day, they were like, comedy? You know, it was it was new to them. So we'd go to these bars, man, that, that were kind of like um, a little bit on, on the rough side, you know? And, and I would bring all the, I would find all the Latino comedians, man, and we would just do a show. And it was, it was almost as if we, we we had to train the audience to be an audience, man, because they were like, they didn't know how to, a lot of, a lot of the people didn't know how to act back then. You know, they were like, you know, tell us, you know, it's not funny, puto. You know what I mean? <laughs> Stuff like that, bro. They were like, there were people that wanted to kick our ass. But after a while, man, you know, the rooms got popular and then other people started doing it. But I, to me, I started because I just wanted to have a vehicle for us to be able to get on because you don't good you don't get good at anything unless you do it a lot, you know. And that's I mean the way you become a better stand up is just by getting on stage a lot. People say like, "What's the secret?" I mean, there is there is an element of learning the craft and, and learning certain techniques, but ultimately you can't get better without doing it every like every night getting on stage, man. And I, and, and I just wanted to do that. And, uh, and a lot of these cats flourished, man. You know, I mean, I mean, look at, look at Gabriel, you know, uh, blew up and Felipe blew up, you know, and, and a lot of us just, you know, we're working comedians, man. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very uh, fortunate to be working, you know, all the time, you know, I mean, I mean, I was just in Israel, uh, a week and a half ago, you know, I was there for two weeks doing the six shows in Israel. You know, um, come back and I was in Reno last week. I'm, I'm, I'm in Vegas right now at the Strat. And then I go to the Bahamas next time. I mean, so so um, regardless of, you know, who's doing what or whatever, uh, a lot of us um, became comedians, you know, like actually became our, you know, our way like to, to make a living at it. So, yeah, man. you know, that's wow. why I did it. You know, bro, I'll tell you something interesting. I, I, I don't know. I'll share this with you. I always wondered why cats like um, like Paul and George, they had actually, back in the day, they had the power to help a lot of us out, you know? And and for whatever reason, man, my people, and when I say my people are Latinos, man, we, we don't, I don't believe we take care of each other like we should. And it's funny, I tell you a story because it, it relates to me trying to put these rooms together and just welcoming everybody. And uh, and I remember Paul, man, this, this is about two years ago. We did a theater in Arizona and we we're getting, you know, we we're, we're, <laughs> were drinking a little bit, you know, yeah. and, and then uh, Paul gets emotional, man. And he like, he got teary eyed and he goes, man, Willie, you know what? I wish that me and George, um, would have helped all you guys a little bit more you know that was that was him and i was like i'm bro you know don't worry about it man everybody learns you know the new generation is helping each other more you back then you know you know so i, I kind of like uh for me i i felt that he had like a sincere like feeling about not helping you know and and he included george man you know back back and you know so no man, I think I think things are getting better with with Latino um, comedians. I think uh, obviously it's, nothing's ever going to be perfect, but I think we uh, kind of I don't know, man. Maybe embrace each other a little bit more without the the, the celos, you know, without yeah. the jealousy, without the hate. 
So, yeah. I remember, I remember, uh, I heard like a Joe Rogan podcast like years ago where he mentioned that he said like comedians in the nineties were so damn competitive that no one wanted to help anybody. And it, it wasn't until later where we found out there's so <laughs> markets with like podcasts with like, uh, with just so many spots that were available that they realized we didn't have to compete against each other anymore. It was like, it was actually made it. That's what made everyone be a lot nicer to each other. Comedians started being friends again and right. kind of went away over time. Yeah, man. But I, I, I agree with Joe. I mean, I know Joe from back in the day, you know, and then, uh, and, and Joey Diaz and that camp. I know, I know those guys well, but I believe for me, uh, with the Latinos, like, you know, they did a study on, on Netflix, man. And they say, check this out, a, a black, black people are overrepresented by 17%. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like when you see a black person on the, on the show on Netflix or you see black people, that's plus 17 of what they're really, their numbers are. And, and, right. and population. And then, well, there's a, yeah, there's a study Netflix did, so you can, you can look it up. And they did it, and, they, and then for Latinos, we're underrepresented. By three percent, you know, and that's the, and that's the president of Netflix who, who who had his people do the research, man. And this is just a year ago, bro. So okay, so I'm, when I'm getting a, a, a why we were so competitive, and maybe why we're still so competitive, bro, it's because it's uh, it's almost as if you have these lions, right? And then you say, okay, there's a piece of meat, and man, we're all like, fuck, you know, fighting, man. Just to uh to taste it, you know, where our 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 piece of the pie is not as big as as everyone else's. So it, I think in some way, man, it makes us it, it still makes us competitive. You know, yeah, things are getting better, but I mean, that's why I gave you that number, you know, of, of how we are represented on on television, and that's why I re the reason I think there's so much bullshit, man, because I'm not a Democrat, I'm not a Republican. You know, I respect Republicans, the hardcore. Racist Republicans, the ones that are like, you know, go get out of our country and all that. I, I okay, I get it. I, I I don't mind. I don't mind when someone's in your face and you know what, like you know. I'm not, and then by the way, I'm not saying all Republicans are racist. I'm just saying, you know, some tend to be. Um, and then Democrats, like liberals in Hollywood, bro, they act like they're so uh, for the people, you know, or like, no, we love you, 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 uh, brownies. Uh, you know, like like they're gonna fight for us, and then when you see us, and then they fight for us, and then when we're in scenes, man, you know, uh, uh, we're always like the, the background. You know, we're still doing the stupid, uh, 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 you know, uh, dot. You know what I mean? The the with like a dumb line is the you know, which I I I and and that's not to say that I don't think that being a gardener or a maid is is, is commendable. It is very commendable, man. You know, uh, especially if you're an immigrant and you're trying to, you know, and you're in America, you're trying to get it together here. But at the same time, that's not who we are, like only who we are, you know, or business right. owners or, you know, cops, firemen, doctors, lawyers. But, but so the, so I'm I, I'm as pissed off with liberals. I think there's there's just as just as much or more full of shit than than the hard right oh they're, I mean? yeah they're the worst they're the most yeah yeah bro all the time. and, and i'm not a democrat and i'm not a republican a yeah. republican but i i do call the bullshit you know oh for sure you got to man that's the way it yeah. goes. i love that you know i want i wanted to mention too that you 
uh, I remember an old, uh, an old church episode that you're on with Joey. And I remember you talked about like the secrets of success of going on stage and getting on every day, but you guys, you guys are raving about a Stephen King book. And I remember you guys said that book was like taught you guys how to write. And like, that's how you, it's like, that was one of your first things you started doing when you first started doing comedy. Yeah, man. It, 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 okay. I always get the title wrong, man, because I, if people will ask me, bro, that's not the name of the, it's, it's, <laughs> it's called writing by Stephen King or, 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 you know, um, something like that or how to write. I know I'm right. But if you just look up Stephen King books and, and something about writing, uh, I would tell, I would recommend that to, um, Hey, Emil, hold on, bro. The lady, um, hold on, bro. <laughs> oh, you're going to, you're going to, I'll get, I'll get it. You're going to go on this journey with me, bro. With the cleaning Let's lady. Let's do hold it. On, bro. Hold on one second, bro. One second. Hello. Hi. Hi. You want some reset? You know, we just, can you just take out the trash? And, and then fresh towels, and that's it. Okay, thank you. Yeah, fresh towels and trash. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that was it's called a commercial, bro. Um, <laughs> so, so, um, um, yeah, the book is. I recommend that book to any young comic, man. Any young comic that that uh, that wants to write, you can pick up some nuggets in there because he sh he shares Stephen King shares. Uh, some of the discipline that you need to be a comedian, you know? Uh, and, I, and, I, and, and here's another thing I'll tell you, man. I know a lot of comics, a lot of young comics, and I, I'll ask them things, I'll take them on the road, and a lot of them don't put the work in, you know? They just, they just don't. Yeah. And, and you could see it when they deliver their stand-up. There's, there's, you know, I'll see them, and I'll see them months later. And I'll see the same jokes, and and I'll ask them like, "Dude, you didn't really? You didn't write a new five minutes since since last time I saw you." I mean, a lot of comics, and and, and some of them just don't want to put in the work, man, because they, I think, I think some people get into stand up for the wrong reasons, man. They they get in because they think it's easy. No, man, <laughs> you you get in stand up, you got to put in time, you know. Yeah, I, I think people get in because, well, I can be funnier on my friends. So that means I can be funny on stage. And then some people just try to be fucking cute and think, I just want to be a comedian and impress people. And it, and it's not as simple yeah. as that. You really got to put, right. like you said, you got to put the work in. And, and right. by that, it means you got to eat shit. You got to bomb. You got to do a lot of shitty jokes and all that. Yeah, yeah, man. You know, it's funny. I was, I was talking to, um, I was in Israel and I was talking to this guy, this very successful guy out there you know, and we're having dinner. And I said, look, bro, the Jewish people, I mean, there's no secret that you guys are fucking successful, man. I mean, you guys, you guys are entrepreneurs, probably, you know, uh, you guys are lawyers, you're doctors, you guys are uh, a venture capitalists, right? I mean, they're very successful, man. And I said, give me one, I told him, tell me one thing, man, that makes you guys um, successful. You know, if you had to give me one, and he said, when he thought there for a minute, he's thinking, man, one thing, honey, thing. Okay, he goes, failure. He goes, failure. I, 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 he goes, we look at failure different. We look at failure as a good thing because a failure just shows us, okay, th that's how not to do it. So try it again. But we look at it as a positive. And I thought, yeah, that's, that's uh, you know, I mean, it's very basic, very simplistic, but but it makes a lot of sense, you know? Yeah. Whereas I, I know that I've done things before 
where I failed and I, you know, and, and, and then maybe I, I let the failure get to me, you know, and then, uh, but if I look back and, 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 and really think about my successes, it was because I was willing to say, okay, I failed, but I'm going to try it again. Or I failed, you know, and something else, I'm going to try it again. But that was, a, that was what he had told me, this, 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 uh, this uh, Israeli man, which I thought was pretty cool, you know? Yeah. I think it's, I think it's cool how, like, it doesn't matter how you get to that, to that mindset either. Cause some people get it through like their parents, their parents are just kind of tough on them. Yeah. There's like, Hey, there was no pussies in this house. And like, all right. And they right. kind of learned that way. Some don't right, have any right. parents and they just learned naturally through their own experiences. Some had a good upbringing and still learned that some didn't. It just, I don't know. Some people are meant to embrace that attitude and some aren't. Yeah. No, that's a good point, man. I think uh, a, a lot of it is on the DNA too, right? You get good parents. Uh, and 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 uh those are the, those people that are fortunate you know you yeah know, I, 100%. I, yeah 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 um uh, yeah I, I think i had a little bit a little bit of both bro well was about my dad was a piece of shit dude he left when i was six you know fuck him uh i, I really don't care and then my mom she she didn't she was a she was a fucking hard-working immigrant you know immigrants man I, i'm an immigrant yeah, and they, 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 it was it was a it was an extreme though, man. There was no, uh, um, uh, there was no warmth, man, in this woman. I mean, no warmth, bro. You, yeah. I, I was like, fuck this bitch is mean, you know. <laughs> and uh, and I, from there, man, I guess I try to pick out the the things that were good about her i try to pick up and, and try to utilize those but and then try to drop all the bad shit you know because i raised my sons i have three boys i didn't do it by myself you know i hate when i say i raised because i didn't do it by myself i mean i had my wife we did it together but i try to be uh try to be uh loving you know and and and, and then and then i also give them good work ethic but yeah to any, any good any comedian out there man it's just Cause you gotta grind. You're gonna and you and and you're gonna eat shit, man. And then this is this part of it. And just look at it like the you know, look at failure in a positive way, man. Oh yeah, I love that, man. Well, yeah. spe speaking of your childhood a little bit, wh where'd you grow up? I always like to ask like people that came on the show like their upbringing, like where they came up from, and all that stuff. Yeah, well, I grew up uh, in Mexico as a kid from from one to six, right, and then. And then we landed like every immigrant back in the day, man. We landed in Boa Heights, you know, United in East LA. And then from there, I was there till I was 12. And then we went uh, to uh, Silver Lake. And I was there like forever, man. And Silver Lake back then, like, you know, Silver Lake was always kind of upper middle class, you know, because my mom was, you know, she saved the money and, you know long story short we were you know she's a hard-working immigrant anyways but I, I didn't hang I couldn't relate to the kids in Silver Lake because so I'd always hang out with the Echo Park kids you know back then Echo Park was like it was like a, it's a hood you know yeah so I would, yeah I would never I, I, I remember uh I got kicked out of a neighbor's house because I had such a foul mouth man that I think <laughs> the lady I came to pick I was like 13 years old or 12 and I came to pick up the, I remember the kids, was, the kid was name was, the kids was Tol, Tolan and Eric. And there was these two white kids. And I get, and I was playing with them in their backyard. And, I, you know, 
and they didn't curse. And I was like, and I used to have really thick. I mean, if you grow up in East LA, that's how you that's how you know. But like, give me the ball, fucker. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, and, and nah, shut up, eh? You know, fuck you, dick. They were, I mean, that's how I was talking to these little white kids. And and, and the, the mom, the next day, I came to knock to play with them. She she goes, you know, um, I think it's best that uh, you know, uh. You, you're not a good influence on my sons. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I miss Tolan. <laughs> I, I was like, what the fuck? You know, I'm probably, I'm probably sure I, you know, cursed. And then I go, oh, you know, I don't give a shit. So then, and then the kids that were, that were from Echo Park, like, you know, the ones like, you know, I could relate to because we were all fucking hood, you know? Yeah. And uh, so anyways, I grew up there, bro. And, and, uh, and, and uh, you know, basically an LA guy, man. Yeah. yeah, I remember the first time, first time I got on a plane, I had my first, my first road gig was when I was like 24, I think 25, 20. Yeah. And man, I got on a plane by myself and had to go get the hotel and had to get the, had, had, a, had a gig in Buffalo, New York, bro. And I was, I, I didn't even know how to, I, I didn't even know how to, um how to uh, pack a suitcase my dumb ass, I packed, a, I even packed an iron, bro. <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think that, that they had, I forgot that they had irons in hotels, man. I was so fucking street. So I, fucking, I remember, yeah, I, I took, I landed in New York and went, I'm with this heavy ass fucking suitcase, bro. The handle broke. So I had to pick it up. And then, and then from, from, from uh, New York, I took a bus upstate. They call it upstate into Buffalo. So yeah, yeah, man. I was I had, I had I was very rough around the edges, man. You know, yeah. as, as as a as a young youngster. Did you always know you wanted to be a comic, or no? You know what, bro? The truth is, I always wanted to. Um, I always wanted to be a cop, bro. <laughs> and because when I was growing up, all the TV shows were fucking cops, man. Yeah. I mean, I could tell you, show after show, there was there was uh, Starsky and Hutch. SWAT, Beretta, uh, the rookies, um, fucking Adam Twelve reruns of Adam Twelve. There's just every show, Barnaby Jones, Cannon. I mean, show every show after show. They're all cops, bro. <laughs> I think there were like forty shows, and you get you get programmed, you know. Yeah. And so I always thought, man, I'm, I'm gonna be a cop, man, save the world. And I actually was gonna go to the police academy. And I was almost, I was on, I was almost in, bro. I passed all those tests, you know. I, I couldn't believe I passed myself, you know. I even passed the psychological test. I was like, <laughs> that would surprise me. But anyways, so yeah, I was gonna, be, and I got a DUI, and I was at home depressed, dude. I had this apartment, and my friend came over, and uh, you know, super depressed, bro. I was talking about killing myself. I was talking like. Just pathetic, right? I drank like a bottle of tequila, and then he um, he left. And when he left, he left a note, and the note said, "Hey, Willie, you're talking crazy last night, you know." And at the like the last three sentences, he said, "Why don't you become a comedian, man? That's what you're you're always talking shit and making people laugh. Why don't you?" And that's what made me. Um, that note actually is what made me go to the comedy store and sign up for an open mic night. And then that's how, and then you get the bug, man, which, you know, that's how it is for everybody. It's almost like it, it becomes a disease. You know, once you get the taste of telling a joke and, and having people laugh, you fucking, 
you just want it all the time. You know, it becomes like a drug. Yeah, 100%. Who, who were like the, the big comics you were looking up to at that time that were like killing it? So we're like, I can be like him or something. See, back then, I, I, this is back then, right? Because obviously we all like, who doesn't like Richard Pryor? But um, back then, I used to, because there wasn't too many cats, man. I think it would be Sinbad that I would look at, you know, that was to me, you know, would tell stories, you know. Although, you know, I know Sinbad doesn't cuss. He's a clean, he's clean and all that. But I would say it was probably, probably him. He's one of them from those days, you know. But as, you know, as you get into the art and you start peeling the onion of yourself, then I got into, you know, George Carlin deeper. I started studying. Uh, I got a little bit into Lenny Bruce. Uh, and uh, and then later on, uh, Bill Hicks, right? The guys that would really talk about real shit, man, that you could go, oh, fuck, I can't believe this guy made cancer funny, you know? <laughs> just, just, yeah. Yeah, man. That's it. Yeah, that's true. That is interesting. Did you, was that like a, a thing? Um I always find it like like interesting when comics talk about how they had they finally found their voice. Like some um, found it right away and it was very quick. But some guys, even when they find it right away, you might have club owners or agents telling you to do a different thing, and they're not upstage, not doing this, and they're not even telling the joke. So like, uh, did you have to battle with that a lot? Did or did you already know like what you wanted to talk about, or was that pretty easy like, transition for you? Well, well for me. Uh... The people were always trying to tell me what to do. Club owners were always trying to tell me what I should talk about, you know, and they always wanted me to be more Mexican, which I never understood because I already was Mexican. So anything coming out of my mouth is Mexican, you know, but uh, that that's that's the one. The battle that I had as a comedian was uh, conveying to the audience that I'm a human man. And I'm, uh, you know, and I go through issues that everybody else goes through. It doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be drenched in my Mexicanism. It was more of a human thing that I, that I, that I wanted to share with the audience. And I mean, listen, man, it works for those guys that make millions. I mean, you know, look at George Lopez, you know, he's made a career. The yeah. whole Mexican or like a, thing. Or like Cat Williams, you know, same and, thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know for me and it, it, it's, it's, it, it, it is great when you find your voice, man. And, 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 and I think comedians that find their voice, one of the secrets of finding your voice is being comfortable with yourself, man. And, and like being, being okay with yourself, you know, because once you're okay with yourself, you don't have to put on an act anymore. You don't have to do this thing where you're on stage trying to get the audience to like you like please like me because i know comedians that give half their energy to the audience and half the energy to themselves and the energy should all be to you man and now they're watching a cat that's like 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 he's just a he's it's him you know you're watching a guy that's up there and and when you are too concerned whether the audience likes you or not you lose some of you of who you are on stage, man, you know? And I've seen some funny guys uh, go on stage and they, and, and then, I mean, 
funny guys off stage. I mean, I'm sure you've seen this. They're funny off stage, and then you see them on stage, and you're like, that's not the same guy. Why the? And I think because some guys they turn into the comedian. Like, no, Dick, be you. You know, it's almost as if when they walk up stage, they tell themselves, okay, you stay here. The comedian's gonna go on stage now. <laughs> you know, and, and there's no, you should walk on stage saying, hey, comedian, you stay here. I'm going to walk up. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100 percent. That's I think that's the hardest part for any. I think that's why people like that are funny, even see it super hard to be a comedian because they can't even get past that. That little thing. Most people are funny from like insecurities and from a lot of, a lot of other things. So like, fuck, I can never do that because I'm not comfortable. I'm not confident in myself to, to even do something that extreme, which is which it is extreme. I think that's why people like comics who it doesn't even matter what you say but if you're just passionate and you're just yourself people are attracted yeah. regardless of even if your shit's funny it's like it like it's like right. Joe is. people love when he goes on his rants because it's like it's he believes that shit what he's saying right. it's the truth he's not saying right. it to make you laugh he's saying it because i fucking i hate ranch blue cheese only motherfucker like and he's dead serious i'm like yeah yeah you know if you, if you said that like in a comedian way it wouldn't be funny but when you say it as passionate like i really believe this shit it's hilarious yeah, 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 and, and I think, uh, you know, and there's, there's, there's the big, uh, there lies the big secret right there, bro. How do you get you up there where you're okay with yourself, man? And I think that's where, you know, some comedians. I mean, I think one of the ways to do it. I don't know if Joey would say it, but I know for me, it's like I had to do some soul searching and some meditation and, and and be okay with my flaws and be okay with the, what, you know, cause you know, as we grow up, man, a lot of the stuff that the negative stuff that we heard sticks with us. So it's, it's, so you go up there trying to be perfect. And when you realize you're not perfect and you're okay with it, man, and you're up there just fucking slinging fucking material, man. Just like, I don't give a fuck. You know, <laughs> this is, blah, blah. you know, like you just, you're just, you're like in, you're like in these highs, man, you know, like last night we had a I had a show here in Vegas, man. It was it was one of those shows where you feel like you feel like you're floating, man. You know, there was a guy in the audience. It was like, you know, you ever get like you get these jams, man. There was an old man in front of me, and he looked like super hip, but he was like 80 or 90 years old. I go and I had to ask, what'd you do with your life, man? I mean, so this guy used to be a preacher, then he became a porn star in, the, in like in the 80s, <laughs> and oh, dude, I just went to town with that. You know, I, and, and I wasn't trying to be funny. I was just putting myself in like in the truth. You know, I was telling how I felt about porn. I was and the audience is just like they were just digging it, man. And it was just something things that were coming out uh, uh, organically, you know. Yeah. So, when yeah, you, man. Yeah, I, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. No, bro. No, no. That, that's that's that was my. Oh, I'll say like, yeah, once you hit that flow state, it's just, it, you can't even, you, it's almost like you can watch yourself doing it. Like, you know that you're doing all these jokes, but you're actually outside of your body a little bit going, I, I don't even know. I can't even control what's coming out of my mouth. It's just coming out so fast. And it's just like, yeah. I'm surprising myself a little bit on how, how well I'm being yeah. funny right now. Yeah. And the funny part is when that happens, when I, when it, when it, when that first used to happen to me before, when I was a younger comic. I would stop and acknowledge it like, wow, this is just, this just happened. And then it goes away. It's like the universe is like, well, fuck you then, you know? And you're like, no way, come back, come back, do it again. You know? So now when it's happening, man, I'm just like, I just roll with it, man, till, till I'm done. 
Hell yeah. You know, good or bad, you know. And, and then I'll listen, and I always record myself. So I'll, I'll listen to that. Like, I'm sure from last night, I'm going to have new bits on porn guys, you know, and, and, and how how those guys were in the 80s. And I have to listen to it, you know, because everything was just flowing. And so I, when I listen to it, I'll structure it as if it was organic. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's that's a discipline in itself to, to force yourself to listen to yourself. Because I know a lot of people are just are too insecure and they don't want to listen to themselves because like, nah, I, last night was last night. I don't want to look in the past. But it's honestly an excuse because if you do listen to your old work, you, that's you're going to get so much better from breaking it down say, oh, I could have went farther with that story or maybe I could have cut that story off a little bit shorter or whatnot. So that's a, that's another yeah. thing for sure. Yeah. And, and this is where I tell comics because I hear that all the time, bro. I hear where comics say, I don't like listening to myself. Well, the trick is not to listen to yourself as if it's you. The trick is to listen to yourself as if you bought this album you know, and listening to this comic and now you're going to critique the fuck out of it. You know, that's how you, but if you listen to it saying, Oh, it's me. Well, you're going to get bored. You're going to go on you what I said, but if you listen to it as if there's, there's this comedian and you downloaded his material, you're going to check him out. And then now you can really step away from yourself and critique yourself, you know? Right. Now I wanted to get to so your uh, your early days, you guys are said you're doing like tequilas and doing those cool yeah. arts and all that stuff. Um, when did when did you guys start getting like notice a little bit more from the big from the big clubs? Then so you're talking like the improvs, laugh factories, and comedy stories. When when did that start coming to fruition for you a little bit? Oh look, bro, I'm gonna be perfectly honest, man. I fucked up a lot in Hollywood. Like I had my I had some chances, man, and so I'm not blaming like. I'm not going to blame it all on Hollywood. You know, I was kind of a mess, man. You know, there was, I remember being a young comic and it was the early nineties. Yeah. It was the early nineties, man. And, and someone had seen me at, at the ice house and then they go, dude, you, you got to go to the improv or, Oh no, no, they got me. I said, but Friedman, uh, but Friedman seen me and he liked me so much, man. You got to remember, I was only in like my early 20s and he gave me a spot at nine o'clock on a Saturday night, bro, at the improv on Melrose, Damn. you know, which is like, I mean, that's the spot, bro. Nine o'clock and, and all these comics, man, you know, we're, we're on the on the bill. And so here I was, bro. I was like my big shot. I did. I, and the guy that was the host goes, who's he's reading the, the thing, right? The host goes, who's Willie Barsena? Right. He goes like that. And, and I was like, that's me, man. He goes, well, who are you? I said, I'm a comedian. So now I'm getting hot. Right. My hot, my my blood's boiling, bro. Not only am I the only Latino on the bill, you know, this guy's going out of his way to uh, belittle me. So uh, Charles Fleischer was the, was on the bill, too, which, is, you know, was uh, the voice of Roger Rabbit, you know, uh, movies from the 90s. And then. He goes, he asked Charles, hey, we can bump him, right? Like that. Like, he wanted to bump me. I was like, fuck. And then Charles is Charles is nice. He goes, no, don't bump him, dude. Just put him up. You know, he's on the bill. So he goes, all right. So this guy brings me up. Chicken shit, man. He's like, I'm going to bring up this guy. I don't know who he is. I hope he's funny. I don't, I don't even know why he's on this bill. Like, that's how he brings me up. I go up there. I do my jokes. I come out, bro. 
And I asked him, why'd you treat me like that, man? And he's, he's very arrogant. And I grabbed him by his shirt and hit him with my forehead and knocked him the fuck out, bro. <laughs> and, and I was never allowed back, bro, for four years to the improvs. But so I could have started my career earlier, bro. You know, and they told me, and then my uh, my eight my manager at the time who who man I think the man the same manager now uh, manages a lot of pretty big guys. Uh, I was his first client, but um, he goes, Willie, you know, Bud said you can come back if you go to anger management and you write an apology letter. So I came back like four years later, three four years later, and. Uh, and I guess that's how I started. Yeah, I came back. See, but I had the reason I tell you that is because I could have been there earlier. Yeah. You know? But I fucked up. But <laughs> I've done a lot of stuff like that, bro. So I'm sure you'll hear the stories. I don't know. You know, it's just, hey, bro, you know, sometimes you can get the kid out of the hood, you know, the hood stays in you. And But uh, yeah, man, I, I had a lot of, I had to do a lot of self work, you know. <laughs> well man but there's a lot of there's a lot of fucking assholes out there bro in our business you know there's a lot of cool guys but there's a lot of fucking weasels man and um anyways yeah just just sharing a little bro oh i love it man that's funny that's hilarious and that's it is true people get screwed over all the time so i mean most of most a lot of that part of your like performance is the person bringing you up it's like pumping you up getting the crowd ready for it. that's huge you know so like I, yeah. I totally, I totally get that shit, man. It was it was it worth yeah. it? Giving him a little headbutt was it worth it? You know, looking back, bro, uh, there's a there's a yin and yang in me. <laughs> you know, the part of me is like, man, I'm glad somebody smacked that guy. <laughs> you know, and then the other part of me is like, I should be able to uh, problem solve a little better. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so so uh, yeah, man. You know, uh, I, I have my issues. But uh, yeah, I got lucky, man, you know, and then I went to another club. I went to um, Hermosa Beach and and uh, Jay Leno saw me uh, and, he, and and he put me on his show. And and I was a young comic, man, when I was when I was um, with Leno and he had me on like 10 times, you know, Jay, Jay brought me back. And That's what I was going to say. You was, were on a night was, show a couple of times and like a lot of times. Actually. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah. 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 No. He, yeah. He's, I mean, I basically have a career because of Jay, you know, for, you know, once, once somebody puts you on TV that many times, man, you know, you know, and I, and I, and I could have, you know, there's things that I should have done that there's things that I shouldn't have done, uh, which, uh, I, I feel, you know, impeded my, my process, but now it's made me wiser. It's made, made me a better comic. All those things that I did, all the, all the fuck ups, man, are now, like gold on stage you know what i mean so 100 oh, yeah, yeah. yeah well what yeah. so after all this when when did you finally get your first special first special came uh when i did the com i did a comedy central special and uh and a, uh this producer was producing cat williams and 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 they thought you know uh, for whatever reason, man, they wanted they 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 gave me an opportunity, and that was my first special, man. It was on Comedy Central, and uh, and then uh, you know, then for me, it just, I just it just I mean, other comedians, man, it blows them up, and and it, it sets it sends sends them into like rock star status, 
I've always I've always considered myself a blue collar comic, like the real blue collar, because it it just kept me working, you know. And that's all I ever wanted to do. It sounds crazy, bro. And this is gonna sound cheesier than fuck because I feel cheesy saying it. But I don't want to be famous. I never wanted to be famous. I just wanted to be a comedian that makes good that makes good money. Do you know what I mean? One hundred percent. Like, like I, I, people say, yeah, you want to be famous. No, I have fame. I have friends that are famous as fuck, and it's, and it's annoying. You know, you go out. Everybody wants to take a picture with them. They can't eat. They can't go to places. Me, bro, shit. I go to Dodger Stadium. Nobody fucks with me. You know, watch the game. <laughs> you know, I go to a restaurant with my friends. I mean, I just always wanted. I wanted to make good money telling jokes, and you can keep the fame. That's all, man. That's and that's, you know, yeah. That's what I, that's what I talked about that with Gil. Actually, I talked about with Gil Escobar. We said the same thing. I was, we we're saying that like if you get fame too quick, too, especially, uh, you probably stop being funny, uh, and then you can't turn down the money that you're going to get from the other industries, like the movie industry or the TV show industry. And then honestly, yeah, your life yeah. is a little depressing because you just have you have too many outside influences. And, but if you can have a steady climb just from just doing comedy. And yeah. then keeping that like blue collar, that's that's way better. I would way rather have that than anything else. Yeah. No, man, you know, I've always I've had a I mean, you know, I've always enjoyed myself through through stand-up. I've I mean, I've been able to to live a good life and, and provide for for the family. And but that that fame thing, I mean, I think you know, you could tell how <clears throat> You could tell how desperate people are to be famous. And I hate to say it because it's like a double-edged sword, right? Because I, I love TikTok, right? Because I have my videos on there. And, and thank, you know, if it wasn't for my son helping me, you know, he's, I'm going to show you my son. He probably doesn't want to be. He's helping me right now. He's, doing, he's in Vegas with me. Look at him. Oh, he's shit. My son. What's up, man? How you doing? <laughs> What's going on, man? She's, 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 she's working, doing some some of his sets right now editing no some videos for him. that's yeah. badass man i love it hustling keep it in the family <laughs> yeah so he's the one that said hey dad you should, you should put your videos on tiktok so you know your fans and this and that and man this fucker put like i think it's been three weeks that he's been putting like old videos up and they're getting like man one's got like two million views no one's got a million it's crazy bro you know um, but um, I was talking about that double-edged sword and double-edged sword about TikTok. It's like I like it because um, people that don't know me get to see me. I get I get to do what I want to do, which is keep working. You know what I mean? That's all I wanted to do. I just I just love being being on stage, telling a joke. You know, drinking a beer, taking a shot, getting paid for it, traveling the country. Fuck yeah! But you can also. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, more than that, I mean, who the fuck needs more than that? You know, it's like the guy who has 10 cars. It's like, dude, you're not going to drive 10 cars, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I know I'll take one nice car. I'm good, man. Um, and um, and but I was telling you, you could, you could tell how desperately people want to be famous, bro, because you see you see like you can see it. You can see the desperation of some people like on TikTok, you know, and I'm like. Man, I wonder if you got that fame. If I say to myself, I wonder if this person got that fame that they're looking for. 
uh, if they if they would say that's what I really want, like like the like the Jake Pauls, right? Those those YouTube boxers, yeah. Like you can tell, like they yearn for fame, man. Like oh man, like like no man, <laughs> I bro, I get a high out of being in a club, a nightclub. I much rather work a nightclub, bro, than a theater. A nightclub is intimate. You get two, three hundred people in there, and 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 it's uh, it's almost like a one on one, you know. And you're in a theater, dude. You know, you're not a band, man. You're you're not. A, you know, I think theaters are for bands. You know, you can fucking hit the drums and fucking scream. You know, but to me, man, I get a such a high from from being as in a nightclub. Yeah, you know? and that's yeah, and that's how I filmed that last special that had gone to Netflix. And then it went from Netflix and it's on Amazon Prime now. But I filmed it in El Paso at the comedy at the comic strip because oh, I wanted to. Yeah, I wanted to get that nightclub feel, you know, and I'm actually filming a new one um, in uh, December at a smaller club, man, more intimate. It's, it's Harvell's in Long Beach. Oh, shit. I've heard that all the time. Yeah. It, yeah. It's Harvell's and it's, it's probably going to have 80 people in the audience, but that's how I want it, bro. I love nightclubs. This yeah. is just I mean, you a nightclub, you know, jokes, a beer and a shot and good times, bro. That's me, man. That's 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 where I get like, you know, that's where I get my high, man, you know? Yeah. I so. it's even yeah, I'm I'm the same way when it comes to even just like basic shit. Like when it comes to drinking, I'm like, I want to go to a fucking dive bar. I don't want to go to no fucking club. To yeah, drive. yeah. If I hear one fucking Puerto Rican song, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. I don't want to hear no fucking reggaeton. I don't want to hear, <laughs> hear no silk shit. I don't want to do none of that shit. And then same with, ba- I played baseball my whole life. Like I look forward to Sunday when the game came, but I fucking love Monday through Friday. I love practice. I love going to practice. I like going to the batting cages. I like, I like all the work leading up to it more. And I love you, playing you the game. Base- but- you play baseball? Oh, my whole life, yeah. Pico Rivera is where I played baseball my whole life, yeah. Dude, my, my boy right here, bro, he just graduated. Uh, he played Division II college. No shit. That's awesome. Where do you play at? Yeah, he played at uh, Academy of the Arts in San Francisco. Oh, wow, man. That's awesome. Congratulations, yeah. man. Yeah. Good yeah, time, man. He, he was, I, I, want fuck, I want him to keep playing, bro, He's got because he's got to get Tommy John surgery. Oh, you shit. You know, because he was a third baseman. He was a... Uh, he played the outfield. He played shortstop. And the fucking coach, man, had him pitch, too. So he would never warm up the right way like a pitcher, you know? Yeah. So it kind of fucked up his arm. You know. But uh, my other kid plays. My, yeah. My, oh, my ahead, older, no, my older boy played uh, plays indie ball, independent pro ball. Oh, shit. You no know? way. Yeah. Now, the one, that, my one that's a year and a half older than him, this one, this one's favorite. The other one's Willie. And, um. Uh, and so does my 17-year-old place. They, they're, their hitting coach is Doug Lada, man. I don't know if you know who Doug Lada is. They call him the hitting whisperer. No shit. You know? He coaches uh, Justin Turner. Yeah. He coaches, yeah. He coaches uh, Mookie Betts, you know. And that's that's uh, that's been their hitting coach for a couple of years, man. Wow. Yeah. So where'd you, where'd you play, man? I played Pete Rivera as a kid. And then uh, I moved more Orange County as I got older. I, I ended up going to La Habra High School, and I played baseball over there. And then uh, I partied a lot, man. So I had, I had like two, uh, two point, I had like a two point one. I barely graduated. But uh, <laughs> to be honest, man, I was uh, I was burned out. I didn't want to play anymore. It was a uh, at that who burned point, you out? Was it your, was it your dad? No, no. To be honest, oh. it, was, it was no it was no one. That that actually oh. fucked me up for a little bit because 
no one burned me out. And, but I, it, I didn't know what I wanted to do in my life anymore. Cause I was like, what the fuck? Like, this is all I've done my whole life. And all of a sudden, like my passions is gone from it. So like, what do I, what do I want to do? But if for my, for my whole life, that's all it was, was just baseball every goddamn day. My older brother played, even my sister played baseball. Cause we thought oh, yeah. she was a dyke. She, we thought she couldn't fucking, she wouldn't play softball. So we played her baseball. She made the all-star team and she was the best fucking <laughs> one on the team. So, uh, that's how I first got into comedy to be honest with you, because all the kids from my team were just so goddamn funny. And I remember like as a kid watching like bad news bears and thinking it was the funniest thing in the world. And my coach, right. and then my dad would have stories. My dad played ball in East LA as a kid and he'd have stories about his coach and saying all kinds of hilarious shit. And, you know, there just, there's no way they're not going to be combined. The, the comedy and plus the sports involved, you know? Right. Right. No, man, I, I, I'm, I have a passion for the game, man. I, you're like this, man. Um, my, my other son, uh, the older one, we played on a travel team. We had uh, Steve Garvey's son was on our team. No um, shit. R- Ryan and Ryan got drafted by the Rockies, and I don't know what happened, but there was back. And Lenny Dykstra's kid was on our team too, bro. Jesus on this travel Christ. team, and uh, and uh, uh, Bobo Castillo, who passed away like five years ago, uh, used to come over to my house and drink beer. You know, Kenny Landro used to come over to my house. No way. You know? Yeah, we used to get fellows. Kenny don't drink anymore, but they, <laughs> back in the day, bro, they would come over. And I would just, I would pick their brain because I had their travel team. I was their coach. For oh, okay. Him and my, him and my boys. Uh, and I always, I always try to get all this, you know, next level knowledge, you know? Oh, hell yeah. So, no, yeah. yeah I got, I, my bad, yeah, my bad. People, yeah. No, I was saying people talk their trash about baseball. I know people go, yeah, baseball is boring. But man, you know, uh, most b- pro baseball players keep all their money when they retire. Like you rarely hear of a baseball player that's broke. They all invest in, 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 in businesses. They invest in properties, you know, because it's a smart man's game, man. You know, play baseball. You got to be a fucking thinker, man. Yeah. You know? I mean, I love to I love to basketball and football because I watch them all the time. But at the same time, when people talk trash about baseball, I go, okay, you're that motherfucker that doesn't know how to play chess, you know? Yeah, no, 100%. So, so yeah, yeah. That's totally true. You know, it's funny. Yeah. We had we had, a, we had Manny Moda on the podcast, and that was cool talking to him because, I mean, what a fucking legend, you know, all the stuff that he, that he was yeah, dude. that he had. And, I mean, he was on first base when fucking Kirk Gibson hit the homer. So that was that was legendary hearing him talk. And then uh, I remember I mentioned, you mentioned Steve Gar. I met. I went to visit my buddy in Pullman, Washington. He's playing football over there for the Cougars. And I went yeah. to go visit him and we're at a party. And I, this was like, fuck, this had to be like 2013. And I met, uh, I met Olivia Garvey. It was Steve Garvey's daughter. And I was like, and oh, I, wow. I was so in awe. Cause I, that's my dad's favorite player as a kid. He's like, I kept his newspaper clippings and everything. You know, when he got, when he went to the Padres, I was fucking sad. I was like 10 and I was depressed, Yeah, you know? So I, I, I didn't even know what to say to her. I was like, this is weird. Like you're like my dad's <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to just brag that I met Steve Garvey's daughter and that's it. But she was like very, very fucking nice and all that stuff. But yeah, that's crazy, man. Our, uh, our paths go back farther than we think. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a trip, bro, because we, when we played on that team, um, when we're on that team, uh, Steve Garvey's walking up the, the bleachers, you know, we're on the, I forget, we were somewhere in Orange County and Steve Garvey's walking up and my father-in-law is with me. And you would think, you know, people would yell out, hey, Steve Garvey. Steve Garvey yelled out at my father-in-law. He goes, Camilo! Because <laughs> the my father-in-law is 
another, and you know, you know, immigrants, man, he, that guy had like four jobs, dude. And one of his jobs was working at Dodger Stadium. He worked there. He just retired from there. He worked there for 35 years. And Steve Garvey's walking up and he goes, Camilo, little old Mexican man, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then I, I'm like, what a trip, bro. You recognize Camilo, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, was like, I thought it was pretty, pretty cool, man. Oh, man. I got to get Steve Garvey in the podcast, too. That'd be a fucking hell yeah. of a yeah, so what? No, you should, bro. Hell yeah! So what? What do we have a uh, next coming up besides the special? That's it. We're just touring this red the rest of the year. Yeah, bro. I mean, I'm going to the Bahamas. I think, and, and not. I think I'm going to the Bahamas in a couple of weeks, and then I come back to do some clubs and some one nighters, and just as long as I'm working, brother, man. I just like I just I just I, I I love I love it, man. There's comedians that you know don't like it. I I I love the road, man. You know I love you know staying in hotels i love you know i love what you gotta love this man if you don't have passion for this then man it's gonna be a sad existence if you think you know just being on stage and 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 telling jokes is just all that you enjoy from comedy then you're gonna hate the craft because you gotta love all of it you know i mean everything everything that comes with it the travel you know, the hotels, you know, and and I, I know for me and for young comics, you know, I know when it took me a long time to figure this out. When I was a young comic and I was on the road, probably in my 30s, man, I was I used to get sad, depressed. But then once I realized, I said, wait a minute. When I'm on the road, those people who I meet are like my family, you know. I'll, yeah, I see them once a year, but I have to say those, I just have a unique family i have a unique friends but if you start saying oh man i can't wait to get back home you know and see my friends and see and, and, and see you know the family and this and that then you're gonna a lonely motherfucker you gotta be able to enjoy the road you know so anyway bro just sharing some info for for young comics <laughs> oh man i love it man and that's that's uh the best way to put it man best wisdom to end the podcast man i i promised you 30 minutes to an hour and we did an hour man thanks all right Thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Thank you for having me, bro. And then have if you can have your friends uh, follow me on TikTok and on YouTube, and then check out my YouTube videos, bro. I would I would appreciate for your fans to check some of my work out and then, and then say hi, you know. Hell yeah! What are all the handles for that? For the Instagram, for the YouTube at, at Willie Barcena. At Willie Barcena is the TikTok, you know, W I L L I E Barcena Bar like drinking and then Cena like the wrestler Barcena. And then YouTube is just Willie Barcena, right, Fabian? Yeah, and then your Instagram, Instagram too. Yeah, my Instagram too, he says. <laughs> my son. Hell yeah. It's, it's everything's Willie Barcena, at Willie Barcena. Awesome. Well, it was, a, it was a huge honor, Mr. Barcena. I appreciate it. I can't wait to go see your stand-up coming up soon. We're in Orange County, so we ain't far from any of the local spots to go catch you do some stand-up. So we'll be around for sure. Yeah, man. I hope you, you come see when we shoot the special, man, because I'm shooting it December think it's fifth or fourth whatever the saturday is and i'm, and I'm doing uh it's the fourth december 4th and I'm, I'm doing two shows so hopefully yeah. you come yeah man come down check out check out the taping bunch of new material yeah and thanks man th yeah thank you for having me brother appreciate you thanks man i'll see you soon all right take care all right bro all right. and there it is ladies and gentlemen our interview with the great comedian willie barcena 
Thanks a lot, Willie, for coming on the show, man. And uh, thanks to your assistant for uh, for getting this set up. I never caught her name, but uh, it was it was really nice chatting with you. Thanks for for hooking this up. That was it was a really good time. And I can't wait to see your shows, dude. Uh, I already been bragging. I told everyone to check out your show on uh, on Amazon Prime and whatnot, and all their shows on Netflix and YouTube. So uh, for all of you out there, go check out Willie's Instagram at Willie Barcena. Check out all of his stuff, and go to his shows, man. I mean, the dude's selling out everywhere. It's it's a uh, you're going to be fighting for tickets, you know, I'm telling you, man, because they're selling out quick. So um, thanks again to everyone. Thanks to Willie. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Go ahead and check out our Instagram, at AlternateTakeDR, and spread the good word, man. We'll see you guys later. Peace.